Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. This podcast is designed to hold space for honest conversations. From purity culture to faith, sexuality, relationships, identity, culture, deconstruction, and more. My hope is to look doubt in the face, be curious, seek God, and ask meaningful questions to address any elephant in the room with openness, nuance, and grace. I won't pretend to be an expert and definitely don't have all the answers. And though it may feel easier and more comfortable to exist in the black and white, I invite you to discover God with me in the gray and unexpected spaces. So whoever you are, whatever you do or don't believe, you are welcome here and have a seat at this table. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes, so each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And while you're at it, if you feel so inclined, leave us a five-star rating and written review. It would be so helpful to get our message out there. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and... I'm back. I am back after a four-month hiatus, four-month sabbatical, something I have never done in my entire career. And I'm feeling a little nervous is the wrong word, but it just feels like, oh my gosh, we haven't hung out in such a long time. There's so much to catch you up on. Also, podcasting is weird when you're doing it solo. I'm literally in my closet, another year, another podcast recording in my closet. Although it is a new closet, I did move, but more on that later. But one-sided catch-up conversations feel so awkward to me, and I also feel a little rusty. I haven't recorded in months, so bear with me. There's a lot I want to go over with you. What was my sabbatical like? What were the expectations versus reality? Am I still in like a full-blown burnout faith crisis? I mean, I think I'm doing pretty good because I at least didn't cut bangs in my break, you know? I feel like you know someone is in a tough place when you catch up with a friend and you get to coffee date with them and they're like, "Mm, I cut bangs and you're like, okay, what's wrong? (laughs) Please don't do that. So I'm not there, so so that's good. But I really wanted to take a minute in this new year coming back and really setting the stage for where I'm at, where I'm headed, how things will look similar over here, how they're going to look a lot different. And so I'm just going to dive in, all right? Also, there's a part of me that feels insecure that It is arrogant for me just to spend like 30 minutes telling you about, well, well, what was my sabbatical like? And here's what I've been going through. I think there's this like story I'm telling myself, like, why do people even care? Like, help them. Don't, don't just share where you're at. But I think that's the narrative that I'm trying to interrupt because I think in my own life, I feel most connected to people when they actually share with me where they're really at, I actually learn so much more from that as opposed to the person who says, hey, I have three steps to help you get the guy or do these five hacks and triple your revenue. Yeah, that stuff can be helpful, but honestly, it also just doesn't feel real. So 
I'm just trying to be real here and be myself and invite you into my story in a way that feels vulnerable, but, you know, honest. And my hope is that by you colliding with my story, maybe you will feel permission to be a little more free in your story and color outside the lines a little bit. And maybe you'll feel a little less alone in your own deconstruction or faith crisis, or I didn't think this is where I would be at 37 years old space of your life. So here we go. All right. So I took a four-month sabbatical for a lot of reasons. I was burned out. I honestly think I was burned out for at least two or three years from the book, from the book launch, from the pandemic, from really getting to this point of what my old pastor in New York calls the crystallization of discontent. And the crystallization of discontent, some people can refer to it as, you know, uh, rock bottom, you know, you hit that place and it's like you you hit rock bottom and something has to change. You can no longer go the direction you were going. It has to shift. It has to change. And the crystallization of discontent is this idea of getting to a space in your life where you can no longer not see what is being seen. You can no longer move through life with status quo. You can no longer continue on the path you have been on as you have been on it. Some people say it like this. The insanity cycle is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. For me, I think the last few years have been a process of that crystallization of discontent in so many ways. Me getting to a place where I can no longer in integrity be a part of evangelical culture because it's actually not a safe space for so many people. Crystallization of discontent for me has looked like letting go of my posture of defense, defending to you, to Honestly, mainly Christian people or Christian leaders that I respect, that I deserve to have a seat at the table, that I'm still credible, that I still am a Bible-believing, good Christian girl. I've realized I've spent so much time defending who I am, defending my position, defending my posture, defending that I deserve a seat at the table, that I've lost sight of who I am. When you focus so much on who you are not— you forget or lose sight of who you actually are and where you're actually headed. And I found myself in that space on top of feeling total heartbreak about being single, being 37, doing an egg freezing cycle last year and it going really poorly and really feeling like I'm on this hamster wheel of content creation and I don't know how to get out of it. I felt resentful. I didn't feel resentful of you. I felt resentful of myself, of the platform that I created that thrived, that that moved off of my very, very personal life, that moved off of my sex life or lack of sex life. I grew so sick of people, strangers on the internet, podcast hosts, random people that I hadn't seen 
since high school, knowing the most intimate details of my life or wanting to find out, well, so what are your physical boundaries now after your book, Sexless in the City? Are you having sex? Are you not having sex? What about blowjobs? And just feeling like everyone was constantly trying to figure me out, but not from a space of actually caring where where I'm really at or what I'm really going through, but really just trying to get an answer for a litmus test to see if I was still credible in their eyes. Because if I have done XYZ, no longer credible, no longer invited to the conference, no longer allowed to speak on the podcast. But if I have done or hadn't done other things, then I am fine. And I just felt resentful of that. I felt, wow, I've created this platform that, you know, I've said in my book, Christian culture and Non-Christian culture is so obsessed with sex and what we do or do not do. We've made this gospel, we've made Christianity and Western culture about who you're attracted to and who and when and how you are or are not having sex. And I feel like in attempts to not do that, I actually was also doing that. And so I just needed a break. I needed a break to figure out how can I be honest and authentic with my own journey while also protecting my own journey? How do I have healthier boundaries? How do I move forward? Do I want to move forward? Do I even want to have a public platform anymore? Because no one is making me. I have created a platform and climbed up it on myself, and now I'm resentful of it. So who says I have to keep doing it? So I I, I needed a minute. (laughs) I needed a fucking minute. (laughs) And that may be bleeped out, but I just needed a minute. So my expectation of sabbatical was I'm going to have all this rest. Maybe I can go on a yoga retreat. I wanted to get my yoga certification. I thought maybe I'll go to Tulum or Todos Santos and hole up in an Airbnb and like eat, pray, and love. I wanted to figure out all of my spiritual angst and my deconstruction questions, theological questions. I felt like I need to figure this stuff out before I can really move forward. I wanted to date and explore dating in a way that I didn't feel the permission to because of having a platform where I was being a dating coach. (laughs) And I also really wanted to have a spiritual community. There were so many things that I wanted this this sabbatical to be. And yet the reality w- was like I was super burned out. <laughs> I was exhausted. I also wasn't just like sitting around eating bonbons. Like I felt like so many people would reach out to me, friends, family, and be like, oh my gosh, you're just having the best vacation. And I would respond, well, actually, I'm actually just running one full-time business instead of two. I still was running my photography business. That has never stopped. And I was traveling back and forth to New York on a monthly basis, like I do every month for that business. And so it was frustrating because I felt defensive of my sabbatical. And wanted people to know like I'm not just like sitting on my ass doing nothing. I'm I'm just running one business, not two. And then I was like, why do I even care what people think of my sabbatical? But yeah, I was still running a full-time business, one instead of two. And 
you know, when you actually take a break, sometimes your body can actually be like, okay, guess what? I'm not feeling well. Now that you have actual space, we can actually come undone and be sick. And I got super sick. I got COVID again. I got strep throat two times. I mean, my hormones have been all out of whack. My period was super messed up from all the hormones and the egg freezing. I mean, my body, my gut health, everything was just a wreck. So I actually spent so much time with an incredible holistic doctor here in Austin named Dr. Moose. He has a company called Health Plus ATX, which if you're local is incredible. Um, But yeah, I think I spent the first two months really just with this frustration of, I thought this would be more restful and it's not. And everything I try to do to bring me rest is actually not bringing me rest. And then I felt overwhelmed. Oh my gosh, like... Every day that passed was one day closer to January 1 when my sabbatical was going to be over and then I'm already not feeling rested and now the holidays are coming and holidays are crazy. I felt like I didn't know how to be present and enjoy the time off because I didn't feel rested. I was sick, all the things. So it took me a while to settle in. Like, you know, when you're around a toddler that's overtired and they're fighting rest and you're like, you would just feel so much better if you would just lay down and go to sleep. But they're like, I'm not tired. And then they're having meltdowns. That's honestly how I feel like I was the first like six to eight weeks. And then something just shifted. I just settled into it more. I accepted, hey, I run two businesses. So yeah, I'm not just going to be sitting here doing nothing. I do have another business, but I also do have space and not recording podcasts, not having to be on, not having to be on social media is a gift. And so I think it took me a minute to really fully accept that this is the space I am accepting the reality of what is as opposed to continuing to be so attached to my expectation of this and how I thought it would be. And once I did that, I feel like the breakthroughs that I was really longing for, although they looked different than what I thought they would, they did start trickling in. So I want to unpack for you kind of some the big moments of my of my sabbatical um number one is i i've wanted i this was my goal going into the sabbatical that i didn't tell anyone online about but people in my real life knew about it i've been really curious about trying mushrooms and doing a sort of like a a retreat slash like therapeutic experience because in the last few years i have seen a couple documentaries on Netflix, one with Michael Pollan and one called Fantastic Fungi on Netflix. And I think growing up in Christian culture, anything substance-wise was opening up a doorway to the demonic and was really scary for me. And I also had seen substances so abused in my own family because my dad is an addict. And so I just felt so scared of any sort of like substance intervention. 
And I've been very careful over the years of my relationship with alcohol. But the more research I've done in the last few years about mushrooms and plant medicine, the less scary it felt. And I have some really close friends in my life who I really trust. I really trust their wisdom, their discernment, their faith experience and leadership. And I saw them experiencing massive breakthrough from depression, anxiety, PTSD symptoms uh, through using psilocybin or mushrooms. I'll, I'll refer to it as both um, through experiencing psilocybin, whether they're psilocybin journeys or retreats or microdosing. And so I became really curious about it. And I knew that was something that I really wanted to do on my sabbatical but didn't know like how or when that was going to look. And I'm going to actually do a full episode on my entire journey, who I did it with, like how much I took, what like the full breakthrough of it, what was the exact format, all of that stuff. So that if you are really curious about that, how I did that and how I did that in a way that felt an integrity to me. But I'll say this for now. One of the things that was so supportive for me was talking to the facilitator before I even went. And she said, you know, people use drugs to check out. People use plant medicine to check in. And this process is all about going inward and diving into your own story. And seeking clarity, seeking freedom, seeking liberation from the things that are holding you back in life. And this is not the way. This is a way that can support your journey. But really, the real work is the integration after you leave. And her explaining that reminding me so much of like going to church camp. <laughs> and bear with me, that may seem like a stretch. But growing up, I would go to youth group camp. And you go to this youth group camp, and it's this really intense week. We used to go to Keystone, Colorado in the mountains, and you have this like spiritual high, all these breakthroughs, and it's so incredible. And you're like, I'm going home, and I'm burning all my secular CDs, and I'm not wearing spaghetti strap shirts, and you know, all that stuff. I'm going to do my quote-unquote quiet time every day. I'm going to be... A witness for Jesus at high school. I'm going to go to see you at the poll, all the things. And then you get back home and actually the real working out of your faith is the day-to-day -day integration of taking what you learned in an experience like that and being it, doing it and living it out, whatever that looks like. And what can happen is we can go from like camp high to camp high, right? Sorry if I'm speaking like very evangelical, but this is just my framework and my background. And that was what came to mind with this mushroom experience as I was like, oh, I can totally see how people go to experiences like this and then just go from like, quote unquote, camp high to camp high. But the real work is taking what you learned from that experience and then creating action steps in your life post that experience to continue your healing, to continue the breakthrough. Otherwise, it just becomes a cool experience and where you had a couple of breakthroughs and you live for that like high of the a spiritual high or whatever until you can have it again. So that was really helpful for me. And without making this entire podcast about my mushroom journey, since I will be doing it on another episode, 
What I'll say is this. In the last few years, I've wondered, am I even a Christian? Do I even believe in God anymore? And you know, you know some of that journey, but honestly, what I share on the internet is the tip of the iceberg. You guys really know 10% of like what's going on. The the 90% of the iceberg of what my lived experiences is in real time with my real community. And I have been in a very hard place spiritually and uncertain how to even move forward. And in fact, a year ago, a little over a year ago, I went to Sedona to visit this coach, healer. I call her my therapist, even though she doesn't have her therapy degree, but she's a coach. Her name's Michelle Peterson. I've talked about her before and we'll link her in the show notes. But I went on this retreat in Sedona with her and I for two days and we did a bunch of sessions and, you know, I'm in this total faith crisis and I'm like, I don't even know, like, I don't believe anything, I think. And after spending a few days with me, she said, you know what, Kat, the most true thing about you is your love for God. You are a worshiper of God and it seeps out of everything, every morsel of your being. You are a lover of God. And I was like, no, I'm not. I don't even know if I believe this stuff anymore. And she's like, I'm telling you, the more you can get back to the core of who you are, the more you will get back to God. The journey back to self is actually the journey back to God. And I I honestly wasn't ready to hear that. I was still so neck deep in my grieving process and letting go of evangelicalism and seeing all the bullshit that... I couldn't see that. The biggest thing I experienced on my mushroom retreat journey was that truth that Michelle told me over a year ago. The most true thing about me is my love for God. And, you know, maybe it's true that the five-year-ago, ten-year-ago version of me would think that me today is not a Christian, but also it was, it's no one's job, like, no one gets to, like, judge who I am or where I am at and, like, who gave me, the ten-year-ago me, the right to tell someone whether or not they're a person of faith or whether or not they're a legit Christian. How arrogant is that? And so I found myself in this unexpected space in a very, quote-unquote, not Christian space in a space that a lot of Christians will hear about and think, oh, I've totally gone over the dark side, like I opened the doorway to the demonic. And I'm telling you, those two days were two of the most worshipful, transformative, divine, God-connected, Jesus-connected experiences that I've had in my whole life. In fact, One of the most beautiful moments of the weekend was being on this psilocybin journey, which I call it a journey because you're in it for like eight hours each day, um, which I'll talk more about in the next episode. But I had this moment where Psalm 139 was just coming so alive for me. If I go to the depths of hell, you are there. There's nowhere. Where can I go from your spirit, God? Nowhere. Even darkness is as light to you. And I feel like this deep, deep, deep knowing in me resurfaced of, wow, 
there's actually nowhere I can go from God's love. Actually, Romans 8 is actually true. There is nothing that can separate me from the love of God. It's just that I have felt separate because I have judged my journey. I have judged the questions that I'm asking. I have not accepted this version of myself, this doubt-filled version of myself, this version of myself that's coloring outside of the lines and doing psilocybin journeys. I haven't accepted the version of me that has left the church for over two years and doesn't know when or if she's going to go back. I haven't accepted the part of me that is now currently speaking in the third person. But in that journey, It just felt so true in my entire being that God loves me, that there is nothing I can ever do or not do to change God's love for me. God accepts me. God accepts. God's with me for the long haul, whatever it looks like. And God does not have a an ego so big that God cannot handle the space I'm in. I may have a big ego and, and I may get threatened, but God does not. So I left that weekend and something honestly feels forever changed. I think the expectation for me going into this sabbatical feeling like I need it really hash out all these doubts like does the bible have to be true to be true does hell exist uh do do you have to say the sinner's prayer to go to heaven is heaven a real place what about people who are really seeking god but don't know the name of jesus are they all going to hell what about muslims or jewish people or universalists like do do i have the only answer and i think what shifted from that mushroom journey was just a piece of not knowing, an acceptance of my limited human experience. I'm only 37 years old. I know nothing. <laughs> I know nothing. And if God is real, if the divine is real, if the creator is real, then God has to be so much bigger than my limited 37-year-old brain and logic. And so I think I just have gotten so much more comfortable with the uncertainty. I don't know. I don't know how it, how it all works out. Maybe, maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. It it can still feel scary because the black and white part of my brain is like, yeah, but like, do you believe the Apostles' Creed? And what about what about this? And what about this? I don't know, but I know there's nothing I can do to separate me from the love of God. I know my love of God is the most true thing about who I am. I know that I experience God in beautiful, profound ways that are outside evangelicalism and outside Western Christian culture, i.e. yoga, moving my body, meditation, a psilocybin journey, a beautiful dinner with friends, being in the water, being at the beach, being in nature, reading Rumi, reading poetry, getting lost in dance music, 
there are so many ways and spaces I can experience God that's outside of, oh my gosh, did I read the Bible today? And did I listen to a Hillsong worship song? And I'll still love worship music, but it's so much bigger than that. And and God, I really do believe that love is spacious. And there's this song, it's funny because I spent most of last year thinking, I'm not a Christian, I don't believe in God anymore. And then I got my Spotify wrapped. And at the end of the year, the the top five songs I listened to were all worship music from Mosaic Church in LA. And um, one of the songs is called Generous Love. And in the song, it says, generous love. I can never find the end. I can never find the end. And I look back and I just laugh. I'm, I'm like, wow, I, I was just in this space of, I don't even know if I believe anything yet. The core of who I am was still worshiping, was still longing for connection with God and the divine. And it really is the most true thing about who I am. And I really, I really do believe that. So there's so much more I want to tell you about all of it, some specific experiences and breakthroughs, but that's it for now. You're going to have to wait. Though I'm not a fashion blogger anymore, you're going to have to listen to episode 184 for that story. There is one thing that I firmly believe to this day. There is simply nothing better than a well-made and comfortable leather shoe. I recently discovered Bedstew and fell in love with their leather shoes. Bedstew's mission is to create quality products that are made to last using only the most natural ingredients. Bedstew takes pride in their four R's, recycle, reduce, reuse, and renewable. They use recycled materials, reduce landfill waste, source their materials from naturally renewable resources, and offer a restore and repair program so you can extend the life of your items. I have personally been wearing my Gia sandals from Bedstew nonstop since I got them. They're the perfect summer sandals, and I always feel so cute when I wear them, and they're just so comfy. Bedstew is giving you a 20% off on your first order when you go to bedstew.com and use code RC20 at checkout. That's B-E-D-S-T-U dot com and use code RC20 for 20% off. All right, number two, I really wanted to, I really wanted to explore dating in a new way. And I think really, I just put pressure on myself to uh, really date, quote unquote, perfectly, because I was like, hey, I'm in this dating coach, and I have this book out. And, and I feel like there's like all eyes on me. And honestly, I think that was a little arrogant. I think people are less <laughs> consumed by us than we think we they are, you know. It reminds me of when I first started doing yoga and a lot of people don't even go to yoga or won't even go to the gym because they're so afraid of, oh my gosh, everyone's looking at me. No one's looking at you. Everyone's on their own yoga mat trying to figure out how to do the damn pose. They are not consumed by if your yoga pants are see-through from behind. They are literally just trying to do down dog and make it through the class. So I kind of realized, wow, okay, that might be a little bit of an arrogant posture. People aren't as concerned about me as I think they are. So I really wanted to explore dating in a different way, and I did. And how that looked for me was really expanding my reach. So I did, you know, earlier in 2022, I was like on a dating rampage. I dated so much. And 
and I was really dating from like a hurt place. I was dating from a place of like, I'm mad at God. I'm mad at the world. I'm mad at my body. I'm hurt. I feel disappointed that this is where I'm at in my life. And so I wanted to more so date from a place of curiosity as, as opposed to a place of hurtness and defensiveness and anger. And I'll tell you two stories is I matched with this guy on Bumble who is ethically non-monogamous. And in the past, I would 100% have swiped left because I do not want to be in an open relationship. That is not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a long-term monogamous relationship partnership. I want to be married. But I was curious, honestly, just curious to talk with him about his experience and how that worked for him. And he also had other stuff on his profile that was curious to me. He seemed really fun and adventurous and we listened to similar music. And so I just matched with him and we instantly started talking. There was an instant banter. It felt really fun and honestly felt like I had more of like a vibe with him than so many other people that I had matched with that year. And so he was like, do you want to meet up? Do you want to go on a date? And I was like, hey, yes, but what I want you to know is, hey, I do, I am actually looking for a long-term committed monogamous relationship, so I don't know if this is going to actually go anywhere, but I do feel, feel curious about you. And so I just wanted to put that out there. And his response was, hey, can I call you? And I said, sure. So he ended up giving me a call and we talked on the phone for a bit. And he was like, listen, I respect whatever part of the journey you're on. I honor like what it is that you do and do not want. The only thing I'll say is that it seems like there is a mutual curiosity here. And I would, you know, really just love to meet up with you. Would, would you at least want to like have a conversation in person and, and we can just take it from there. Old me would have been like, no, because you are not what I want and I do not want to waste my time and I do my time is precious because I want to have a baby like yesterday. But I was like, actually, like what I do feel is curious and I would be interested in just getting to know you. And so I said yes. <laughs> so a few days later, I found myself at a yoga class with Mr. Ethical Non-Monogamous and we just had the greatest time. We did a hot yoga class together, which I love doing workouts on dates, especially in the beginning, because I'm sweaty and I don't have makeup on. And, you know, I I just want people to see me for who I really am without the bells and whistles. And I also love moving my body. And so if someone's not down for that, then probably not down with me. So we went to yoga and then we ended up ha going to dinner and we just chatted for three hours and it was great and it was fun and it was flirty and I was present and I had just really let go of, you know, my attachment to like every single date has to be like figuring out if this could be an actual partnership. I was present and he was a great guy and I actually learned so much about ethical non-monogamy and why that was a fit for him and you, actually, how he described his relationship with his primary partner was honestly what I want. He was like, "What? What is important? What the only way ethical non-monogamy can work is with total transparency, total vulnerability, total honesty, and a constant 
open communication of where you're at with your person, what you want, what is and isn't working, and really addressing things head on when they come up, like jealousy will come up. And he said something that was so interesting. He said, what I've really learned about myself in this journey, because he has only been polyamorous for about four years, was typically when I'm jealous, it says less about what that other person is quote unquote doing wrong. And it brings up more so something in me that needs healing. And the more he described it, I was like, yeah, like I want a relationship where I can talk openly and freely and where we can constantly say, hey, like maybe that was working six months ago, but it's not working now. And one thing that Dr. Celeste Holbrook always says in all of our sex ed workshops is she, is she says relationships are a constant negotiation and sex is a constant negotiation. Just because you liked something that one time or you got an orgasm for that one time doesn't mean that you'll that will happen again. And you might feel comfortable exploring something today that maybe it, it, you want it off the table for six months and then maybe you come back around to it. And I really did respect his honesty. And I think because there was such honesty from even before meeting up with him in person, I felt so much freedom to just be fully myself. When you are with someone, whether it be a friend or a lover or a partner, whoever, and there is commitment to total honesty, it changes the game. And so we had a great date and it was really fun. I told him, you know, he asked about my book. He bought it that night on Amazon and we ended up making out in my car and it was really fun. And we ended up meeting up the next week and going on another yoga date and dinner date. And he had bought my book on the date previously, read it in one day, and then came back with like 10 pages of notes. He was like, man, this is a really good book. I feel like I learned so much about like sex and relationships. And I, who knew that Jesus was such a feminist? And I was like, I know. And he was like, I know I'm not a Christian or anything, but I feel like people really should be reading this book. And it, that in itself was so healing for me because I have felt so discouraged about the book. I have felt so misunderstood. I felt so judged by Christians because it felt, you know, I was talking about pleasure and masturbation and the wild idea that women might be equal as men. And what I have found in not just going on a few dates with this guy, we only went on a couple dates and he actually moved. So it, it that was that. Um, but I was like, man, I had such a great time just getting to know this human being for a couple of dates. And we had such good conversations. I loved getting to talk to my book about my book openly with him. He literally came with a piece of paper with questions. And I just felt like, wow, like if I was so attached to like, only going on dates with someone who is like exactly what I believe in, exactly where I'm at, I would have missed the opportunity of really connecting with a beautiful person inside and out. And now to close that loop a little bit, um, that did not make me want to be in an open relationship. Like I, I actually don't have any judgment for it. That's just not what I want. I don't, I don't see that working for me. I do think there's like real beauty in long-term monogamy or there can be. And then the next story I'll just say is I ended up going on, dating and going on dates with this other guy who didn't share, doesn't share my faith. And 
yet is just one of those people who radiates. Oh, I feel like this sounds like so Christianese, and I apologize for that, but I don't know how else to say it. But just radiates the fruits of the spirit. It's kind, gentle, patient, generous. And in that, I think one of the questions I've been really asking myself is, what is it that I really want and need in a relationship? Because when I was like neck deep in evangelicalism, it was like, well, they have to be reformed. They have to be listening to Tim Keller. You know, it's weird if they're not listening to like Hillsong worship or Bethel worship. I don't know if I can trust them if they're like reading Brian McLaren or Rob Bell. And then my faith journey has evolved. And now I'm in a place where I'm like, if you do listen to Tim Keller, I don't know if we can date. <laughs> and if you do vote uh, right wings, like, I don't know if we are a fit. <laughs> and if you aren't feminist or aren't pro choice, like, I don't know if we can date. And so I've realized, man. I actually have the same posture that I had when I was in like the legalism of Christian culture, but now I'm in the legalism of my more liberal or progressive ways of being. And so the question I've had is, what does it look like to give another person the permission to be on their own journey? And what is it that I really need? Do I need someone who's in the exact same space as me spiritually? I mean, it would be really great to be with someone who like grew up in purity culture, grew up in evangelicalism, maybe was even a Bible major like me, and now like still loves God, but is unpacking and disentangling themselves from that culture. And so they really understand all the context of who I am and where I've been and what I'm about. Yeah, that would be great. But that's me basically just looking for a clone of myself, and I'm with me all the time. And so I don't have a ton of answers about, you know, what does is, what is dating look like right now, except for I feel like I, I know that I, I know I still want to be married. I know I want to have kids. I think the most important thing is growth mindset and curiosity. And I'm asking myself, do I need this person to be my everything? Well, if I have so many like spiritual friends in my life that I can pray with, worship with, go to the depths of the sea with, like, do I actually need that in a partner? Like, my knee jerk reaction is, well, yes. Um, but maybe not. I don't know. I've literally never let myself even explore the possibility. And so it feels kind of scary to give myself permission to color outside the lines a little bit in dating and just get to know a person and get to know them and get to know what is character and integrity look like for you? What is, um, are you kind? I told my baby sister the other day, kindness goes a long way. She went on a date with a guy and she was like, I don't know if there's like attraction there, but he's really kind. And I was like, kindness goes a long way. And the last thing I'll say here is I was meeting up with my mentor friend a couple weeks ago and just kind of going through, you know, I'm dating these different guys and what do you really need in a marriage? And her and her husband have been pastors for decades. And she goes, you know what, Kat, sometimes good enough is good enough. And so much of what we've experienced in Christian culture and then like rom-com culture is this like this combination of soulmate and then this person needs to meet every single need for you who needs to be your spiritual confidant and leader, whatever that means, your best friend, your lover, your business partner, everything. And not everyone can be that. What we're looking for actually now in a husband or partner or spouse is God. Another person was never designed to meet all the things. And she says, you know, Kat, 
I am like a sub submarine. I live at the bottom of the ocean and her and I are like cut from the same cloth, like in constant like spiritual angst and reading deep theological books. And she's like, my husband is a sailboat and he will listen to me and we will have conversations sometimes. But like, that's not who I go to, to be in the depths of my theological angst with. She's like, that's why I have three master's degree and working on a PhD. Like that person you can have a beautiful partnership with a person and not be on the same page about absolutely everything. In fact, it's nice to have someone bring me up for air. It's nice to go on a sailboat every now and then. So that was really helpful for me. And then, oh my gosh, this is getting long and I have a doctor's appointment. So I'm trying to think of where to go from here. I'll end here. The I think one of the most unexpected things that happened to me or that I did in my sabbatical was I bought a second property. And I told this story on Patreon last night. Um, But, you know, there's something really powerful about hearing other people's goals and breakthroughs because sometimes you have to see it in other people to believe that it's possible for you. Seeing is believing. We have to see it in other people to believe that the breakthrough is also possible for us. So at the beginning of 2022, I met with one of my girlfriends who is such a financial expander for me. She has a massive apartment in Manhattan, New York, and makes a great living and has a purposeful career as an executive coach. And she said, you know, one of my goals this year is to save $100,000 for retirement. And I thought that was the most insane thing I ever heard. I was like, $100,000? That is crazy. And that got me thinking. And I was like, what if that was a goal for me? And I think my version of that was I really wanted to buy a second property because I'm really curious about getting into real estate investment and renting out the current property that I was living in. And so long story short is I ended up making the money to buy a property twice the size that I was currently living in and also a brand new property. And it happened in such a wild way, but also so peace-filled. And I could say so much more of that, but I'm cognizant of the time right now. But basically, I put an offer on a place right before Thanksgiving. And two weeks later, I was moving into a new property and had tenants in my one bedroom and became a two-time homeowner and now landlord property manager. And I share that not to brag, but to say like, look what's possible when you open yourself up to possibility. Imagine if my friend would not have been very clear and specific with what her financial goal was for me. Because people, especially women, don't like talking about money, which is one reason why men typically make more money than women, because men talk about how much money they're making. When my friend shared with me this crazy financial goal she had, I thought, wow, she can dream big. Why not me? And I realized, and this has happened every single time I've had a financial breakthrough, when I set a goal that seems out of reach for myself, it is wild to see that I actually rise to the occasion. I can't even remember who said this to me, but um, maybe it was my coach. I can't remember. But they said, can you bet on yourself? 
Can you bet on yourself? Do you do the things that you say you're going to do? Do you show up in big ways in your life? And the reality is, even if my goal in 2022 is to buy a second property and I didn't get that goal, just having it on my radar caused me to elevate the game. I was playing in my life. It caused me to be way more strategic financially in my life. And so I bought that second property and I was like, as soon as I bought it, was like, when can I buy my third? What if I do an Airbnb rental property? Wow. Like it seemed like the possibilities were endless when I just let myself dream about it instead of being logical. Like no one can save a hundred thousand dollars in one year. I can't buy a second property two years after I bought my first one. And five years after I was making $15,000 in an entire year, that's crazy. That's ludicrous. Like come back down to earth cat. No, actually me living in outer space and dreaming big opened up bigger doors of possibility than I ever thought possible. And now I'm not scared to dream even bigger. Like what are bigger dreams? What are dreams that you have that feel so out of touch and out of the realm of possibility that you actually may have more access to than you think or believe by just opening yourself up to it? So gosh, I feel like I could just say more and more and more and more. But what I want to leave you with is this. If I can sum up my sabbatical in three words, it's this. Exploration, permission, and acceptance. Exploration. Life is so much bigger than the confines of the bedroom we were told to live in, the box we were put in a long time ago, the coloring book we were told that if you want to color correctly, you have to color inside the lines of this coloring book. Exploration is a part of life. I read on Instagram this morning a post that said the biggest, the most important word in to implement into your breakthrough is the word experiment. Do you have the guts to experiment? Do you have the guts to explore? Do you have the guts to do it wrong? Do you have the guts to skin your knees? Do you have the guts to fail? Do you have the guts to get back up and explore and experiment again? And permission, permission to be human, permission to disappoint other people, permission to dream bigger than you thought possible, permission to be on a journey and it be imperfect, permission for another person in your life to be human too. One of my friends, Manuel Reyes says, Jesus came to earth not to teach us how to be God, but to teach us how to be human. Being human is hard. (laughs) What if we all gave ourselves a little bit more permission to be human as opposed to expecting ourselves and everyone around us to be God. And lastly, acceptance. Accepting the reality of what is, accepting that God loves me and so can I love me? Can I accept where I am at? That's the space that I am in. So where do we go from here? What does that mean? So this is a little bit of housekeeping. This year is all about less is more. So I am going to keep doing my sex ed workshop series with Dr. Celeste Holbrook. We're going to do that twice this year. And I am toying around with doing a dating and deconstruction workshop as well. So that's on your radar. And then I am hoping to create a cohort of um, almost like a small group of experiencing God outside of church and the Bible. So a cohort that's about six to eight weeks long of 
practicing different spiritual disciplines that might seem out of the box, but just really for the person who's like, man, I want to know, like, how do I experience God outside of a quiet time? How do I experience God outside of like going to a church service on Sunday? And there's been so many spiritual disciplines that I've practiced over the last five, 10 years that I would love to walk with you in. So other than the workshops, my main focus this year is going to be in my Patreon community. We already do two monthly calls. That's been our rhythm for a long time. We have a monthly book club. This month, we're reading the book Atomic Habits. And then I also do a free online group coaching call every month. I'm going to continue with that and just really, really pour more investment into there. So if you want to join the Patreon community, go to patreon.com slash the refined collective and it's $5 to join. And I'm going to be doing less podcasting. I My goal this year is to do 25 episodes, whereas in previous years I was doing around 60. And I'm going to be doing right now, the goal is like two a month. So uh, we'll do two here and then the rest of the content will just be living on Patreon. So feel excited about that. And then another big dream I have for this year is to do an in-person retreat where we're doing yoga and movement and eating healthy food and having different experiences where we're doing different spiritual disciplines like meditation and centering prayer and journaling and dancing together. So that's a dream that I've had for a long time, but I've been too afraid to act on. So if you're interested in that, you can email social at therefinedwoman.com and we can keep you in the loop about that. And then finally, where do I go from here is my intention for this year is to not focus on who I am not, not focus on what evangelical culture isn't doing, but focusing on like who I am, who we are, reimagining what can faith look like. I, I notice that when I focus on who I'm not, I'm still just focusing on all the shit <laughs> as opposed to when I'm focusing on who I am, who I'm becoming, who is God, there's so much more space and possibility and permission. So that's where I'm at. Thanks for being on this lovely journey with me. I hope you stick around. would love to see you over on Patreon and would love to hear your thoughts about everything that I just shared. So you can share that on Instagram, The Refined Woman or The Refined Collective, DM, comment. You can email us, social at The Refined Woman. But it's good to be back. Hey friend, just a quick check-in with you at the end of this episode. I recorded this episode about a month ago now, and I'm so excited to finally get it out for you to listen to. I know that I referenced my mushroom journey a few times in this episode and wanted to let you know that my full mushroom journey experience is available on Patreon right now. I just released this week about an hour-long video answering a plethora of questions, sharing my entire experience, sharing how it did and has impacted my faith, how and what I got from it? What breakthroughs I experienced? Was I afraid? Was I talking to a therapist before and after? Would I do it again? Did I regret it? Are my thoughts on spiritual warfare and the demonic different than they used to be? Um, do I have thoughts and convictions about getting high? So really just answering anything and everything. I'm an open book to you. And so if you want to watch that video, it is available 
on Patreon. So you go to patreon.com slash the refined collective and it's just five bucks to join. You're welcome to join and watch the video and cancel your membership or I invite you just to stick around. We have a lot of great things going on this month. We have a live group coaching call next week and the last Wednesday of February, we will be doing our monthly book club and we're going over the book Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. So please, please, please join us. All right. That's all I got for you. Bye. Bye.